All right, we are continuing our sermon series uh, through the book of Psalms this summer. Uh, We are going to be reading from Psalm 105 today. It is a 45-verse psalm. I'm going to give you the first six verses, all right? So Psalm uh, 105, 1 through 6. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works He has done, His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Abraham, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones. All right, I'm going to start off telling you about a guy named Peter Forsberg. You do not know who Peter Forsberg is. You are not a hockey fan. I can tell you that much right now. (laughs) Peter Forsberg is quite possibly, and this is a little bit of opinion, but there's some data. He is one of the greatest. I want to say he's the greatest. He is one of the greatest centermen to ever play hockey. If you watched this guy's career, he was incredible. First uh, Swedish hockey player to ever be put on a Swedish postage stamp because he scored the game-winning goal in a, the gold medal game. It was a shootout. It is an incredible move. Uh, people still emulate this move all the time in shootouts. They just call it the Forsberg. That's what it's called. It's called the Forsberg. He played in an era in the NHL when it's called the clutch and grab era. And that's because like, if somebody was skating by you, you just reached an arm out and grabbed him. They had the puck, you tackled them. It, it wasn't really a high-scoring era of the NHL. It was actually a very, they call it the, the dead puck era sometimes because not many goals were being scored. During that time, Peter Forsberg averaged well over a point a game because people would be on him just trying to drag him down. There'd be two guys on him. He'd pass the puck to the wide-open guy. He'd put it in the goal, no problem. I loved watching Peter Forsberg. He was gritty in how he played. He had some of the best passes you ever saw. And if he got one-on-one with the goalie, forget it. That puck was going in the net. It was happening. I loved him. I bought his jersey. The Avalanche moved to Colorado. They used to be the Quebec Nordiques. We get this awesome hockey team. They win the Stanley Cup the first year. I loved watching Forsberg. First game I ever went to, Forsberg scores a hat trick. I'm sold. I'm like, I already loved him. This guy is now my favorite player, and I wanted to meet Forsberg. And I'm sure all my friends were sick of hearing me talk about Forsberg, but that was what I did constantly. So I'd wear his jersey like three out of five days of the week, you know, to school. Uh, This thing, I still have that jersey. Like, there's threads coming off the numbers and names. Uh, But anyway, finally, one one day, uh, I had a friend, it helps when uh, your friend's dad is the police officer who's in charge of the visiting locker room at the arena. So I would get to go to these games and sit outside the arena where, like, I got to sit right outside the door that went to the player's parking lot. And so I would sit there, and I would wait, and I'm talking like, I was from here to that speaker from people like Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, like some of the biggest names to ever play. But I was waiting for Peter Forsberg to come out. And one day, here comes Peter Forsberg. I've got my card. I've got my marker, right? I'm 13 years old. I'm wearing his jersey. He steps out the door, and I'm like, Mr. Forsberg! He stops. He turns. I ran up to him. I said, hey, uh, can I have your autograph? You're my favorite player. 
And, and he took the card. He said, sure, absolutely. And he, he looks at it, and, you know, when you're playing hockey, you make some funny faces, so he's kind of making a funny face on the card. He, he laughs at the card. He signs it. He gives it back to me. And then he kind of, like, skips and walks towards his car. And my friend and I were like, did he just skip? He did. He totally skipped as he was walking away. The next week, all I could talk about was that Peter Forsberg, and it was after a loss, was willing to stop and sign my card. He didn't, he, I totally ambushed him on the way to his car, and he just took it like a champ. The next week, I was doing nothing but talking about Peter Forsberg. And that's what I've been doing here. And what, another way we might put that is, I did nothing but praise Peter Forsberg. I praised him because I looked at what he did on the ice, and I said, that is awesome. What he can do on the ice is incredible. So few people can play the game like that. Plus, he was willing to talk to me and to sign my card, and he was just really nice to me that whole time. Like, that was something that was really awesome to me. And people will do this all the time, right? And I, I bring all this up because we praise actually rather naturally. We will praise things that we find praiseworthy. Uh, the dictionary definition of praise is to express favorable judgment on something or someone. That's Merriam-Webster. Uh, George Will, if you're familiar with him, he's a political commentator. He delivered the commencement speech at Princeton this year, and in that uh, speech he defined praise this way, the acknowledgement of excellence. See, we do that actually rather naturally in our lives. When we see excellence, we acknowledge it, right? We will praise athletes we praise musicians, we praise actors, we praise artists. Praise comes relatively easy to us as long as we find something praiseworthy. We will give approval to excellence and we will give approval to those who possess it. Right? When we see something that is excellent, we praise it. And that's exactly what this whole psalm is. I, I, I spared you the last 39 verses, but let me give you a quick summary because what this psalm is doing is calling on us to praise God because of what he has done and then it goes on to tell exactly what it was he had done up to that point for his covenant people so the last in the last 39 verses of the psalm it starts with God making a covenant to Abraham and then how God kept that covenant through Isaac Abraham's son and then to Jacob and then from Jacob to Joseph and how God was faithful to them as they wandered in a land that was not their own. And then how there was a famine coming, and through that famine, even though Joseph gets sold into slavery, God uses that to provide for his people and to bring them through the famine in Egypt. And then they grow to a great number in Egypt, and they become, under Pharaoh's slave, they become slaves to Pharaoh. And yet God was still faithful then. He sends plagues, right? And he frees his people, and then they have to wander through the wilderness. But during that whole time, God is providing for them through all of that until finally he brings them into the promised land. And that's where this psalm ends, and it ends with the line, after saying all of that, it ends with the line, praise the Lord. What else could you do after hearing all of that? After you hear that everything God has done, all those excellent works God has done, how could you do anything but praise Him? Right? That is the proper response to excellence 
is to praise. And so that is the purpose of this psalm. We see all these amazing works that God has done. And what are we called to do? Praise the Lord. And so uh, that's kind of where I want to start. I want to start with what is it that God has done for us? Because some of this seems so removed if we were to read through this song like that was a long time ago. Uh, But what has God done for us? Besides that, all of that actually benefits us in the long run uh, because what's it leading up to eventually? It's leading to Jesus coming. That's who God would ultimately fulfill his covenant to Abraham Abraham through, is through Jesus. And so that's where I want to start. What has God done for us? God has given us his son, Jesus. And why did he have to give us his son, Jesus? Well, he has to give us his son, Jesus, because you and I are sinners. See, he didn't give us Jesus because we were so great or so awesome. No, he had to give us Jesus because we were sinners. And this starts all the way back with Adam and Eve, right? It starts all the way back then. You see Adam and Eve sin. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke their relationship with God, right? It wasn't God who moved away from them. They moved away from God. And through their sin, sin enters into the world and into all of us. And so we are born flawed. We are born sinful. To be sinful means that we've missed what God has called us to do. To sin literally means to miss the mark. And I think sometimes we like to couch sins in in terms that are maybe more favorable, that maybe not look as bad. Hey, I messed up. Hey, I made an error in judgment. It was a mistake. And we don't view sin as what it really is, that we fell short of what God created us to be. That separates us from Him. That's serious. To be separated from your Creator is a serious thing. And we could not earn our way or work our way back into His favor. God had to come to us. And He had to do that through sending His Son, Jesus. So think about this. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God... Three in one, internally existing that way, in perfect communion. And what does he have to do? God the Son chooses to leave his place in heaven and come to earth. And he chooses to take on flesh and all the frailties that came with that. The hunger, right? the, the living in, in conditions that are far worse off than we are in today. Jesus lives not in a time with cars and electronics and modern medicine. No, he lives in a time where the fastest way of travel is a horse. Right? That's how you got to get around. He comes and he lives in those conditions and he lives the life that we were supposed to live. When temptation came Jesus' way, Jesus sent temptation packing. He didn't give into it like we have all done, right? Each one of us, we have been tempted and we have failed. We've given into that temptation. We have sinned, but not Jesus. Jesus overcame temptation. He overcame Satan, and he lived the perfect life. He never missed the mark. He didn't do it. He lived a perfect life. And you would think somebody like that, people would reward, that people would praise, and yet at the end of Jesus' life, what do you see? You see Jesus abandoned. You see his followers scattered. You see him handed over to the Romans to be crucified. 
and to die a terribly, terribly painful death, an embarrassing death, to be pinned most likely totally naked on the cross, exposed for anybody walking along the road to see. There's shame in that. And yet, this is Jesus dying that death. Not somebody who deserved it. Not somebody who had messed up. Somebody who had literally lived the perfect life. And He did that for you and He did that for me. He did that to cover our sins. That is an amazing thing, is that not? Yeah, let's, let's, let's get pumped up about that. Because, because of what Jesus did, thank you, Joey. Because of what Jesus did, our relationship with God, our Creator, is restored. Think about that. All the cost was put on Him. All the work was done by Him. What we brought to the table was our sin. How we had messed up. God brought everything that we needed. He gave us His Son, Jesus, on the cross for our sins. And guess what? He didn't just die. He rose again. He conquered death. And because He conquered death, we will too. We will have victory over death. Even though we die, we will rise again. We will have eternal life. Think about that. Dwell on that. And God didn't just step back and be like, great, I'll see you in eternity. God fully has given us Himself. He gives those whose faith is in Jesus His Holy Spirit. We don't have to walk through this world alone. We don't have to walk through this in our own strength. Jesus called the Holy Spirit what? The Helper. God has given us a Helper to overcome sin. He has given us the Helper who seals us for the day of redemption so that we know that we are saved and we don't have to worry about losing that salvation. The Holy Spirit was given to us. And the Holy Spirit was given to us to gift us in ways to build up God's church so that He could use us in bringing His kingdom here on earth and building up His church. God has gifted us so that we're not passive bystanders, but active builders of this. Isn't that amazing? Think of everything that God has done for us. And then, what's the proper response when we think of all these things that God has done for us? Praise, right? The proper response to everything God has done for us is praise. We should be looking at that every day and going, what am I going to do? I'm going to praise God because He saved me. Because He was willing to give His Son Jesus. Because Jesus did come and die on the cross for my sins. And because He rose again, I am saved. My sins are forgiven. I have eternal life. How can we not praise when that is what our thoughts are dwelling on every day. So I hope you guys are all ready to praise now. Are we? All right. Now, how are we going to praise God? That's that's the question. What are we going to do next? And I'm actually not going to start with singing. We'll get there. All right. Uh, I'm going to go back to our text. Our text uh, gives us several ways that we can praise. And it it falls into, uh, I, I would say, three categories. Number one, we praise God through our prayers. Number two, we praise God through our testimonies. And number three, we praise God through our singing. So let's unpack that from Psalm 105 here. The first command in Psalm 105 was simply to give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And what do we call it when we are speaking to God? Prayer. We call that prayer, right? Speaking to God is prayer. And so we should be giving thanks in our prayers 
to God. You know, God is our Father, and I feel like uh, sometimes I can get into that mode of like a little kid where I'm just like, Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? If you have kids, you understand this. Dad, can I have some food? Dad, can I get a new backpack? Dad, can I have a kitty? <sighs> yes. All right. <laughs> but sometimes like, we can fall into that in our prayers where we're just going, Heavenly Father, I need this. Heavenly Father, I need this. I want this. Now, first of all, that's good. We should be going to God. He is our Father who loves us. We should be going to Him with our requests with things we need. We should be praying for those. But this psalm is a great reminder that a vital part of our prayer life should be praising God through giving thanks in our prayers. We can do this no matter what else is going on outside. There is always something to be thankful for, starting with the gospel. We can be thankful for that no matter what else is going on, thankful that God has saved us. So even if the rest of life is bad, that part is good. That is good news no matter what else is going on. Not only has God saved us, God has saved others. In uh, several epistles that Paul wrote, right, by being inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's in jail and you you see him write out, I give thanks to God for you, for others, for their faith. He's giving thanks to God even while he is in jail for the faith of others. And of course, we all have stories of how God has provided for us, how He has answered our prayers in the past. So we should be praising God by thanking Him in our prayers because of everything that He has done for us. Alright, so the second way that we are to praise God is through our testimonies. Here it tells us to tell of His wondrous works, right? To, tell it, to make known His works amongst the peoples. That's what a testimony is. A testimony is you saying what it is God has done in your life. Now, we're going to have a testimony Sunday coming up. I, I sadly had to miss last summer's testimony Sundays. I, I was bummed out because it's always encouraging to hear how God is moving in other people's lives. Thankfully, it was on the podcast, so I got to hear it then. Uh, while I was in Colorado. Uh, But that is a a way we praise God is by telling us what He has done for us in our lives. And it's not just reduced to a Sunday. That's not when the only time we should be sharing our testimony. It says we should make known His works to all the people. So in other words, this this should come out in our daily conversation with people what God has done for us. There was a, a quote I really liked excuse me, from Matthew Henry uh, in his commentary. And for, forgive me, Matthew Henry was in the late 17th and early 18th century, so the, the language is a little dated here, but I, I just thought it captured this very well on Psalm 105. He said, God's wondrous works ought to be the subject of our familiar discourses. In other words, our daily conversations with our families and friends, We should talk of them as we sit in the house and as we go by the way, not merely for entertainment, but for the exciting of devotion and the the encouraging of our own and others' faith and hope in God. In other words, he's saying that should, when we're talking to our family, when we're talking to our friends, what God has done for us, that should be a topic of conversation. Why? Because it praises God. 
Both it causes us to praise Him and it causes those who hear our testimony to praise Him. And we all have testimonies of what God has done and what God is doing in our lives. Again, this psalm was kind of one big testimony to what He had done to, for the people of Israel up to that point. But we all have stories, stories of how we came to faith in Jesus. Stories of how God has provided for us when we needed a job or a house or money. We all have those stories. Those are stories we should be telling people. Those are stories we should be sharing with others. We do it pretty quickly, right? I was quick to talk about Peter Forsberg. We do it so quickly with other things, but sometimes we can be hesitant to do it with what God has done in our lives, which is far more important than anything else. So let us really strive to do that, to make talking about what God has done for us a part of our daily conversations so that God is praised through us and praised through others because of what he has done. So we praise God because of what he has done through prayer and giving thanks in our prayer, and we praise God through our testimony, sharing what God has done with others. And then the third one is we absolutely are to praise God through our song. We should be praising Him by singing about what He has done for us as well. Uh, it's, it's funny a little bit to think about, hey, we sing every Sunday. It, it, that's, if you've grown up in church, maybe it's not that odd to you. I grew up in church and, you know, you just sang. That was why you sing. But one day, uh, I was having a conversation with someone who'd literally never been in a church. And they were asking what we did in church. And when I told them we sang, they were like, what? What are you, why are you singing? What do you sing about? Think about it. Like, nobody goes to a TED Talk and starts singing at the TED Talk, right? All right? You don't go to a college lecture and start breaking out in song, right? None of my students have ever sang after I was done teaching a biology lesson. Like, that doesn't happen. So it is a little bit of a strange thing. And I was like, oh yeah, you, that wouldn't occur to you to sing. Well, we sing because of what God has done for us and because that resonates with us. And if you think about it, singing with something that resonates with you really isn't a foreign idea. Everybody does that. All right? I chaperoned prom a few weeks ago. It was my first time. I've dodged it up until now, but I uh, had to chaperone a few weeks ago. Uh, this senior class, I've taught them three times over the past five years. And so they're like, you got to be there. All right, I'll, I'll chaperone prom. The music was not good. It was pretty lame. I got to be honest. But this one song comes on. I'd never heard the song before in my life. Every kid on the dance floor was singing this song. It's, called, it's, a, it, it's a genre called emo rap. I didn't know emo rap existed. Okay, I did not know that was a thing. It exists apparently, all right? So they are like singing this song, and I, I recognize the music. It turns out the music is actually a Sting song, but that's a different story. Uh, so anyway, but I'm like, man, all these kids know this song word for word. I finally asked one of the kids what it was. He told me I went, and I go home, I Google it. The uh, YouTube video has 385 million views, so I was like, man, I really am out of the loop if this thing's been watched that many times. But I start reading the lyrics, and I realize this song is about a breakup. And then I read an interview with the guy who wrote the lyrics, and it was actually a song about a breakup he had in high school. 
all of a sudden it made sense. I was like, of course they're all singing this song and love this song because they can identify with that. They can identify with all those feelings like this is speaking directly to them. That strikes a chord with them and so they respond by singing. But how much more should we do that here in church? How much more should what Jesus has done for us strike a chord in our hearts and cause us to sing, cause us to respond in song? So that is why we sing. So when we come here and we have the, the, our wonderful worship band, they really are wonderful. Yeah, let's give them a shout out. We have this wonderful worship band. And they spend time practicing. We put a lot of effort into that and want that to be excellent. Why? Because we are singing the praises of God who has done so much for us. And when we dwell on what God has done for us and we look at those words on the screen, they should resonate in our heart. And they should cause us to respond through song. And so, Restoration Road, let us remember what it is God has done for us. Remember that God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to die on the cross on our behalf for our sins. And then sent God the Holy Spirit to be with us, to indwell us, so that we have Him with us, we have the Helper with us at all times. We should be praising Him continually for that. Let that cause us to praise God through our prayers. Let what He has done for us cause us to praise Him through our testimonies. And let what He has done for us cause us to praise Him now through our song, through crying out from the bottom of our heart through our singing today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank You and praise You for what You have done for us through your Son, Jesus, God. God, we thank you that you did not treat us how our sins deserved, but instead you poured that out on Jesus. And we thank you that though he died, he rose again. And that because of that, our sins are forgiven. And that because of that, we will rise again and spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord, for that. God, thank you for how you have provided for us on a day-to-day -day basis, making sure we have what we need and sometimes so much more, God. Thank you for that. God, I pray that as we enter into this time of praise that we would be crying out to you from the bottom of our hearts Would what you have done for us cause us to respond by praising you through our song. And as we go out this week, would what you have done for us cause us to praise you with our lips to others, Lord, so that they too might praise you, so that they too might hear the gospel and believe in it. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.